Not, nice to see everybody here. I realise that most of you are probably on silent right now. I'm Phil Oldershaw. I'm going to take you through our In Conversation with Kira Keeling of Bruntwood Works in Bruntwood uh, this afternoon. So thank you for joining us. Uh, we want you to get involved. We want you to ask some questions, particularly at the end if you've got some questions, but if there's anything of uh, urgent that you want to ask, if there's a particular subject that she picks up on, uh, then feel free to raise your hand either like that how, or uh, with a little electronic thing on here, or send old saying that, don't <laughs> by raising your hand automatically on Zoom. Uh, but I think the best thing is just to get us started before we go on to Kira. So Kira knows who's here, and I know everybody that's here, is we do a 60 second intro. Obviously, we've got Abby here from Downtown in Business, who is uh, hosting the In Conversation with, um, and Abby's going to also hold the 60 second clock. So I think what we'll do is we'll go around the screen. It's probably different on everybody else's screen. So I'll go uh, from uh, right all the way around on mine. Uh, and we'll do a 60 second intro. So if you can just tell us uh, where you're from, so who you are is a good start, uh, where you're from, what company you're representing, and then a little bit about you or the company, whatever you want to excite us with. Um, and we're going to start with, Alex. Hello, Alex. Do, do I turn Alex off or do you? Should be able to. Hello, Alex. How are you doing? Hi, Phil. I'm good. Thanks, buddy. You? Yeah, good. Thank you. So I just popped away there for a second. So, uh, intro Alex Tross. Uh, I'm director and head of office advisory team at uh, real estate consultancy Lambeth Hampton, based in Birmingham. Uh, in addition to that, I also am deputy chair of the Colmore Business Improvement District. Woo! Uh, so my day is spent either advising clients with regards to their real estate, specifically office assets, uh, both on the uh, tenant and landlord side, and then the big stuff is focused around improving the experience you'll have living, working and playing in common. Fantastic. Brilliant. Thanks, Alex. Okay, next we'll go over to uh, the lovely Steph Taylor. Hello, Steph. <laughs> Hi there, you okay? Yeah, good, thank you. Welcome. Good, good. Uh, so for those of you who don't know me, uh, I'm Steph. So I'm the Senior Cluster Sales Manager for Malmaison and Hotel Divan. Um, so for us, the past few months has been a really um, interesting time, but please say we're coming out the end of it. So Malmaison reopened on the 4th of July. And I'm really excited to say that Hotel Divan will be opening this Friday on the 24th. Uh, so if anyone has got any inquiries for, you know, bedrooms or, you know, kind of dinner bookings, let me know and I'm happy to help. Lovely. Nice, short and sweet. Lovely. Okay, thank you. Uh, Amy Deakin, hello. Hello, how are you doing? Very good, thank you. Good, good. Yeah, I'm Amy Deakin from Western Union Business Solutions. My role is the Channel Partnerships Manager, so I look to support businesses that have clients that trade internationally. But in a nutshell, we've got access to over 130 currencies. We can risk manage against volatility in the marketplace. So anyone that trades internationally, we're there to support. There you are. Wow. In a nutshell. Thank you very much indeed, Amy. Okay, next we're going to go on to, oh, this is interesting because I can't see your name. I think it says VWV on your screen. The gentleman in the lovely blue shirt. That'll be Clive. Uh, hello, hi, Clive. it's uh, Cl Clive Reid. Um, thanks, Phil. Um, I'm office partner uh, at VWV Solicitors, uh, based uh, up at Brindley Place normally. Um, I'm a commercial property lawyer by trade, and um, we've been actually we've been pretty busy um, during lockdown. So 
Uh, we've been acting for a variety of developers, um, uh, ranging from uh, the southwest up to the northeast, and um, we're also advising a number of banks who seem keen to lend as well. And uh, my other sort of main portfolio of work is acting for universities and colleges, and they've been very busy for a variety of reasons, um, not least trying to work out how many students are going to rock up in September. Thank you. Thanks very much, Clive. Okay, Zoe Tranta. Hello, Zoe. Good afternoon. Hi, sorry, I had to uh, take a little longer than my dog was just going bonkers in the background, barking her head off. Uh, she has this habit of doing that uh, as soon as I speak. It's like she's <laughs> pre-programmed. Uh, my name is Zoe Tranter. I qualified as a solicitor nearly 20 years ago. I specialise in commercial property. I set up Tranter Mills Solicitors, which is my company. It's now in its 12th year, so I set it up during a recession. And here we are again going through another pandemic type scenario but we're still here. Uh, my client base is predominantly private sector developers but also local authorities and housing associations. Um, I'm currently busy with, uh, we were commissioning and now decommissioning uh, Nightingale hospitals uh, for a local authority I'm working with but I have a broad array of experience from landlord and tenant matters whether you're taking a lease or granting one to acquiring a site to the build, to sale on or lettings to a retail to tenants, although I appreciate at the moment retail uh, is an area that's suffering. So that's me, Zoe Tran, a commercial property solicitor. I'm based in Cornwall Buildings in the city centre as well. Lovely, thank you for that, Zoe. Okay, Paul Taylor, good afternoon to you. Oh, Paul, you're Just on need to Turn your microphone off, Paul, uh, on, Paul. <laughs> Paul, oh, Paul, we can't hear you. There you are. There we are. There we are. <laughs> there at last. Okay. Hi, everybody. My name is Paul Taylor. Um, I'm uh, from a company called AI Change Management. AI stands for Awesome International and not Artificial Intelligence, as some people tend to think. Um, we're a, a relatively new company based in Liverpool, actually. So thanks for letting me down into the, the Birmingham, uh, Birmingham area, which you know quite well. We are um, a group of practitioners uh, specialising in organisational development and organisational design. And right, my, my role is as business development, my background is in investing in sales. Uh, I'm interested today really to hear what Keira's got to say because we're having a number of conversations with people about this return to the office, etc. So that's a real focus for people there these days and how they build the, the, the return or not to the office into the into the strategy. So I'm keen to hear what Keira's got to say about that today because we're sitting having conversations with people about how they're going to um, recover, you know, about um, what, their, what their purpose is going for and what kind of a thriving community they, they're going to create and the office is going to be central to that. So I'm really keen to hear what Keira's got to say. I did read an article by, as I think it's is it Chris Oglesby, the, uh, your group CEO, Keira. Very interesting, very interesting article there about starts off with the, the, the bleakness of the um, the thought that's going on at the moment about the office being dead, etc. So I'll stop right there. I'm just really interested to hear what uh, you've Perfect timing, Paul. Perfect timing. <laughs> Thank you very much. Uh, right, I'm going to go over to the gentleman, uh, PB07. What is PB07? And who, who are you? <laughs> Hi, afternoon. Uh, Phil Birchall. I'm a uh, partner in uh, Pinter Masons, uh, international law firm based in Manchester. 
um, specialise in development and regen projects in particular, acting both for the public sector and the private sector side. Uh, it's obviously, I think, as people have said, been a very interesting last three, four months. Uh, very busy as everyone's adapted to, uh, to remote working. Uh, we've got offices throughout the UK uh, and also internationally as well. Uh, so obviously seeing different stages of the pandemic and different stages of people returning to work and just uh, seeing how that's, uh, that's all developing at the moment. Lovely. Thank you very much indeed. With time to spare as well. <laughs> uh, okay, we'll go on to uh, Chris Chadwick next. Welcome, Chris. Hi, everyone. Um, yes, yeah, so I run the Binary Box. So we're an interior branding agency. Um, so we specialize in transforming workspaces with um, there's like huge printed graphics like you can see behind me um, over here um, and signage and we've recently been working with a lot of our clients to sort of help them get back into the workspace or whether it's retail environments as well so I just thought this was a uh, was really interesting so yep yeah, we're over here in Manchester at the moment so welcome everyone to Birmingham based um, yeah so it's yeah, we, we should have got a heads up where everybody's from around the country, shouldn't we? But uh, Manchester, hi Manchester. <laughs> okay, thank you very much for that, Chris. Okay, we'll go over to Matt Hall. Afternoon, Matt. Good afternoon, everyone. Afternoon, Paul. Um, so my name's Matt Hall. I'm the regional director for Interface, one of the world's most sustainable modular flooring companies. Um, we actually invented the concept of the carpet tile back in the 1940s, and we've been systematic, systematically developing design ever since. Um, the direction of our company actually took a massive twist in 1994 when a client asked our CEO and founder, what do you do about the environment? And back in 1994, you can imagine his expression on his face, uh, quite dull and uh, not with anything much to say. But it actually hit Ray quite hard and he quickly set a task force together of environmentalists and set interface on an environmental vision. That was to have no negative impact on the environment by the year 2020. And last year, we announced to the world that we are the first and only manufacturer to have carbon neutral products in carpet tiles, LVT and rubber flooring. First for the industry, uh, which is great. We've just opened a brand new showroom in the Cornwall building in Birmingham. So if anyone wants to come and have a look, please get in touch. I was, having, I was having deja vu then, I remember. I think I spoke to you in that Cornwall building when... Uh... We were talking you did, Phil. Tiles, yeah. <laughs> Thank you for that, Matt. Uh, hello, Tom Bauer. Good morning to you. Good afternoon to you. I keep thinking it's morning for some reason. Good afternoon. Uh, yep, hi, I'm Tom Barr. I'm the Head of Marketing and Comms for Barrows and Forrester Property Group. So we're a local uh, estate and letting agent in Birmingham, Litchfield and surrounding areas. Um, we're also Stripe Homes as well. So we do property development up in the northeast of England. Um, and we're just on site uh, a few weeks back now for our first development, uh, which is a £13 million student scheme. Uh, work very closely with Clive at VWV. And we're also, uh, we also run Birmingham Property News as well. So it's a white label website where we share all news and content that we create in-house ourselves to help anyone from first time buyers to seasoned investors navigate the property market. Fantastic. Thank you very much. And then uh, from that beautiful palmed beach, <laughs> it's Rob Day. Welcome, Rob. <laughs> Oh, not Palm uh, Beach, that'd be nice, wouldn't it? <laughs> Hi, everybody. Yeah, I'm here on the beach at uh, Ashby de la Zouche, just north of London. Um, I'm actually here with our client services director, Mike McKeans, uh, but on the basis of social distancing, if I cut out my um, 
Oh, if I cut out, where is the cursor gone? I'm wasting time here describing what I'm going to do. But uh, so my name is Rob Day, Blueprint Interiors, and chairman and founder of the company Astro Nashbury. We're workplace consultants and design and fit out specialists. So we uh, we design commercial interiors. We just finished a job in centre of town at Colmore Row for um, a company called uh, PowerShop, part of um, Power now, in fact. So that's been a really nice job. We've done co-stars build, building in town as well. Um, basically, we are on a a drive to create workspaces and built environment for organizations that recognize people are their um, are their central and most important resource so um, we'll talk about that later fantastic wonderful thanks very much Rob uh, Abby might as well go on uh, hello everyone I'm, I'm sure you all know me but I'm Abby Goldie um, national director of business support um, at downtown in business so working um, yeah with with all our regions now but um, if you can't tell by the accent I'm based in Birmingham <laughs> and then just before we go on to the main lady in conversation herself uh, I'm Phil Oldershaw I'm a presenter I do awards and dinners uh, live events like this online which seems to be the in thing at the moment for obvious reasons I'm also a hospitality consultant with 30 years background in developing businesses within that area either for PLCs or independents and I've had a couple of my own independents which are now sold as well uh, but currently really fighting with the whole issue of hospitality that's been in lockdown and entertainment and everything else connected there we are that gives you a bit of an insight that's me uh, Right, okay, so now we're going to go over to the lovely Kira Keeling uh, from Bruntwood and Bruntwood Works. Uh, welcome, Kira. We're all here to uh, have a good chat with you today and hear about your journey so far. So I've got some questions for you. As I said prior to everybody, if you've got any questions, please make a note. If it's anything in particular at that point, uh, then raise your hand. If not, then we'll come to some questions at the end as well. But I guess the thing is, Kira, that the fact that Broadwood is huge, it's got a £1 billion portfolio now. I was reading that uh, two, two and a half thousand client customers, uh, 61 buildings spread around Manchester, Leeds, Liverpool, Cheshire, Birmingham, and I'm sure that's expanding further. Can you give us uh, some insights and background, and also a big welcome to you uh, from Broadwood? Sure. Thanks, everybody. It's really nice to virtually meet everybody. Um, what I'm going to do is explain a little bit about um, Brumwood and then almost how it's evolved over the last 18 months because we've gone through some quite big changes. So um, basically, um, Brumwood Group, um, I worked for for 15 years, so started as a young graduate um, and the business is a family owned business and started over 43 years ago. So um, the, the Brookwood story has been one of, um, you know, quite continuous expansion and change. And um, throughout, throughout our history, I guess, our core purpose as Brookwood Group has always been about creating thriving cities. It hasn't changed. Um, it's been the same from the very beginning. And um, our founding father was um, a gentleman called Michael Oglesby, um, who passed the business down to our group CEO, Chris Oglesby, um, back potentially about 15, 20 years ago now. Um, 
in in essence, um, we we've stated it differently, but we've always we've always had the same purpose about really making sure that wherever we are, we're completely embedded within our places. And um, you know, the business really started with Mike finding a factory and looking at the opportunity to take a rundown factory and transform it into a business model, recognizing that there was a real opportunity to breathe, you know, life back into spaces and places. Um, the business. I had the pleasure to work with Mike and and still work very closely with Chris, who's our group CEO, and that purpose ha hasn't changed. But what we have continued to do is really expand and evolve. And in 2018, what we decided to do was create two very focused business units. So I'm CEO of Bruntwood Works, and we equally have another part of the, the business called Bruntwood SciTech. It's all the same company, but we're very focused on specialisms and sectors to ensure that we are really strong market leaders in creating the right ecosystems for our customer base. So to explain that in a little bit more detail, um, Bruntwood SciTech is a partnership that we um, entered into with LNG, and that was really focused on creating innovation districts such as Circle Square in Manchester, Alderley Park, which is the old AstraZeneca site in Cheshire, and Innovation Birmingham. So a real focus on sort of science and quite strong advanced tech. Frontwood Works, of which I am the CEO of, is the, um, is the workspace, retail and leisure part of the business. And our compelling goal is to create places and spaces for work and lifestyle to thrive. So we really focus on that kind of blending of work and lifestyle um, to provide flexible workspaces and places um, with, you know, giving our customers access to a range of retail, leisure and wellness facilities. So hopefully that explains a little bit around the kind of wider Bruntwood group and then the two very focused business units. Um, I sit on Bruntwood board, so I have the ability and visibility to, to look across, to cross both of the divisions. And we work together as a real seamless um, set of business units because our, our core focus obviously is around creating thriving cities, but having that sort of specialism and really understanding um, our slightly different customer and target base has been quite important for us as a business and it's been quite an evolving um, you know proposition for us over the last 18 months so it's been quite an exciting time for us as you know as a business yeah it's a great thing so obviously there's been a lot of companies now coming into the marketplace around um, you know we work and different companies like that how are you how is your business model keeping you ahead of what other companies are doing and being able to expand the portfolio Sure. I mean, our, our approach um, has always been that we are really, really embedded within the places that we that we operate. So we have um, on the ground regional teams based in all of our cities. So I'm currently in Manchester at the moment. Um, we have, as you know, um, ownership in, in Birmingham, Leeds, Liverpool, um, Manchester region um, and Cheshire. So we have teams on the ground in all of those places. So we, you know, we are we are in our places, and you know, our goal is to to really understand our markets, understand our customers, and invest within our spaces and places. So, you know, we don't just go in there to let space. We we're, we're, we're about creating place, working with our partners, um, you know, civic leaders, um, and, and and the likes, cultural organisations, to really make sure that um, we, you know, we are driving change in both the spaces and places that we operate. So we have, I think, quite a compelling goal and purpose that's a little bit different um, 
and we give we give back quite a lot you know we're quite thoughtful about um some of the you know some of the um organizations that we work with and partner with and how we um how we basically support the communities um in 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 the places that we operate so i think we have quite a strong advantage um and i will come on to some of the other things that we do um, to support our customers and their change in habits and needs. Lovely. Okay, look, we'll, we'll come back to some of those then. But I guess the question that I want to ask, and I'm sure everybody else, is uh, the accent gives it away. West of Ireland, uh, born in Enniskillen, and uh, now the CEO of Bruntwood Works. Uh, yeah. You know, you're a surveyor. Uh, can you tell us the journey from starting from very young when you got into property to where you are right now yeah yeah sure um so as you say born in born in Inniskillen um very small town on the west coast of Ireland um to be honest uh, the, my career options presented to me at school were um were very limited um it was you know really you'd be a teacher nurse doctor solicitor um the usual really um but I was really lucky to be the youngest of nine um so I have eight siblings um, and I actually had a, you know, a number of siblings that all had really diverse and interesting careers. So I've got a brother in politics, um, a sister that works in social care, but I, I had a brother who, um, who works in property. So he heads up um, property for McDonald's, the, the food chain, and he absolutely loved it. He used to talk consistently about it and really encouraged me to think about a career in property, um, which was, you know, extremely unusual um to, to do back then so i guess i followed i, I followed i followed him in his footsteps and um really never looked back yeah well, well i i guess the thing of you talk about challenging uh coming from ireland being a lady into what you would have related to property as being pretty much a man's world i don't know whether you still would do but obviously you're in a, you're in a key position um, that must have been quite a journey for you. What were the, the sort of issues and, and areas that you really had to work on to make your name and make your mark? Yeah, I mean, coming from a really um, quite a strong female, um, my mum was quite a strong matriarch, quite a, quite a dominant character, and um, sort of having six sisters, um, you know, we were always very much of the belief that you could do anything as long as you put your mind to it. Um, so that's always sort of been, you know, my mindset around um, hard work is just part of the, you know, part of my DNA. Um, and really, if you put your mind to anything, you can achieve it. Um, but that, that's not to say that, you know, um, I haven't had my fair share of challenges. Um, you know, back 15 years ago, um, you know, coming into an environment whereby you really were the only female at networking events or um, at different events, you know, it was a point of difference. It was, you know, it was, you know, I, I was different because I was female, but equally I wasn't, I wasn't local. Um, but what I tried to do is um, be absolutely adamant that that wouldn't hold me back. Um, and actually, if anything, I wanted to drive forward and just, um, you know, really be a strong role model to show that it can, you know, that it can absolutely be, you know, to, to be done. And I think working for a company like Brumwood, whereby, um, we really support inclusivity and, and um, diversity. We always have, and we always had a number of female surveyors, which was quite unusual back then. Um, it, really, it really helped me. Um, but I do recognize that that's not, 
that's not necessarily how others have felt and um, my external experience outside the workplace was quite different to the support that I had within the workplace um, which is why I'm still here 15 years later because um, I have been supported on every you know uh, you know uh, on every part of my journey. So before you joined Bruntwood yeah how many places were you at beforehand before you then took the move into Bruntwood? None I started as a graduate so I studied um, I, I did a year in Belfast um, and then did my following two years in real estate and business in Liverpool. Um, I just wanted to move away, try a slightly bigger city, which I absolutely loved. Um, so I started as a graduate, um, but I've held a number of positions um, within Brookwood. So I started as a graduate asset manager. Um, I was here through the first recession, so I learned a lot about the customer and putting the customer at the heart of what you do and um, I don't think anybody could have been prepared for what we've just gone through in terms of a global pandemic but actually for me it, it did reiterate the need to really put the customer right back at the heart of what you do and think about how you can support customers um, in order to sort of have that really um, longer term relationship and I think one of the biggest USPs of our model is that we are a long term owner so we don't just, you know, invest and, and sell. We, you know, we're in it for the long term. Yeah, that's it's it's a great thing, and I think long term is where where you've got to look at with this whole situation. And, and you know, some yeah. people are in a better position than others to be able to do that long term journey. So, in terms of your long term, uh, yeah. were they the first people to offer you a position, or why did you go to Bruntwood? How did that come about? So, um, so I applied for three graduate jobs. Um, I got all three of them. Um, I wanted to stay in Liverpool, actually. Um, I really liked the city. Um, I really enjoyed it. Um, but at the time, um, the view back then was you had to do your first six months at, at, at HQ, which was in Manchester. Um, so I made the move. Um, I just, when I... I had a number of interviews and everything about the company just felt right. Um, it just naturally aligns to my family values, which I've outlined, you know, part of a large family. The, the company has those very strong family values because they've been passed down because it was a family run and still is a family run company. Um, so it just felt it was a really natural fit. And that's why I've been here so long. And I, you know, I recognize, um, often I've thought, you know, is that the right thing to do? But I've always had so many different roles within the company that I've always felt quite challenged. Um, I've always had an opportunity to try something new and different. So whilst being at the same company, it's changed, it's been transformational, um, you know, within the 15 years that I've been here. So it probably feels like I've held a lot more roles than probably I have. I, I was going to ask, what has been the, the, the growth within that? 15 year period, not only your own position within, but actually in terms of the scalability of the company, what growth have you seen in there? Yeah, absolutely huge. So, um, you know, it's probably, it's probably grown by sort of 50, 60% under the leadership of um, Chris, both in size and then in terms overall, you know, the value. Um, so when I talked earlier about the value of the portfolio, that's the works portfolio, but um, the, the leap into the sort of um, science sector was for me a really, you know, a really entrepreneurial move um, from Chris to, you know, really recognize an opportunity for, 
for for us to you know basically enter into new markets and it's always been a incredibly entrepreneurial business but built on the very solid foundations of of partnerships and recognizing that uh, we can't really do it about you know on our own and actually working with like-minded businesses um has been a real strong usp for the business and um it's changed it's changed beyond belief it's almost it's almost quite um it's almost quite difficult to explain how different even the office environment is to where when i started which um we used to work in a, in a building called City Tower. For anyone that knows Manchester, it's quite an iconic building. Um, you know, it was quite a, the office was, you know, very um, laid out. Everybody sat in banks of desks. It was quite, um, quite an old school style. And then when you look at some of our office spaces now, it's, it's, very, it's very different. It's very, very different. And would you say that's probably been one of the key things that's made you so pioneering and successful ahead of others yeah i am um, I, I think so for, for me um somebody touched upon it earlier but um for me it's really about recognizing um it's that sort of long-term view on things and not just um being in to develop and sell but it's actually recognizing that we're really long-term holders investors we invest in the cities and and equally um you know being quite close with our customers um you know we can always be better and we are trying to be better and you know it's one of the things for me that i really want us to, to work on and become even more customer centric than we've ever been but i think you know even sort of 12 15 years ago we, we didn't call customers tenants like our competitors they've always been customers um and even you know maybe back sort of 15 years ago it was a joke in the marketplace with our agents that you know you refer to them as customers you know when everybody else still refers to um a lot of them as tenants because we see it as that sort of longer term partnership but i think recognizing you know the change in needs of businesses speaking with our customers um, but sometimes looking outside the industry, that to me is where um, where I find um, probably most of our inspiration, especially around some of our schemes that I'll talk about later, is actually not looking within property, but looking outside property, looking at retail, looking at hospitality, and almost seeing the blending of those spaces coming together creates a really special place. And then if you create that special place, people probably want to work there rather than start with the office. And then think about everything else later. It's for me. It's just a slightly different. Um, just looking at it with a slightly different lens. It's really interesting, actually, because if I relate back, and I'm sure many here uh, relate back to office space over the years, over the decades. Gosh, the last time I was properly working in an office was was 25, 30 years ago, and um, <laughs> there's nothing like office spaces that you get now. So it's incredible to see, and I can see, you know, why something like that is working and achieving so well so talking of achievements what would you yeah. say have been your three key um achievements whilst at Bruntwood? and i know that's sort of putting you on the spot um but obviously you know i don't know have you, have you picked up any awards and things for what you've done um yeah, yeah. interesting to know 
So um, probably a, a couple that jumped to mind. So um, I was involved with, we, as I said, we, I said earlier, we don't normally um, sell a number of our assets, but we did, we did sell quite a large asset, um, City Tower, which is where I started work. And the reason that we did that is we did that in order to um, fund the purchase of Alderley Park, which was, um, I think I mentioned earlier, the, the old HQ for AstraZeneca. So it was that kind of strong move into that kind of new sector for us. Um, so being involved in a disposal of um, you know, an asset worth 132 million was a real career defining moment for me because um, you know, we were getting major investors up from London and actually that was a really interesting dynamic for me because um, actually throughout the whole process, I think I was possibly the only female um, that, that, that formed part of any of those discussions. And you know, that was quite eye-opening. Um, but I learned a lot. Um, I met some amazing people um, you know, investors that came up from London who really liked our business model. Um, so that that was that was one. Um, I have had a couple of awards. Um, a, I was named as a property instructor in 2018, and that was based on um basically moving forward with our pioneer schemes, um, which I'll talk about a little bit in a bit more detail, but we are um, rolling out a £50 million transformation scheme throughout um, all of our key cities um, around the future of workspace. It's based on sort of six key pillars around um, technology, art, you know, retail, hospitality, blending all of those spaces together um, and really, um, you know, really looking at what that workspace should look like and recognizing that it's the blending of workspace and lifestyle and how we translate that into customers' needs. Um, so I think that's been quite a career-defining moment, sort of almost, you know, getting some of those schemes on site. So one of those in particular has recently completed in, in Manchester, Blackfriars House. Um, we've got another one coming online, um, 111 Piccadilly, which is next to the train station in Manchester, which is due to complete later this year. Um, so that's two. And then probably another one would be um, working really closely with um, our uh, retail incubator. Um, so we have a retail incubator in Manchester under the Mancunian Way. It's called Hatch. So the purpose of that was it was um, a placemaking um, um, plan for one of our developments called Circle Square. And we, in that, we decided to basically trial a retail incubator for like fledgling new retail businesses that wouldn't be able to afford premises and then work really closely with them, offering them business support um, to encourage them to try new ideas but recognize that some, you know, some will fail and those that didn't fail perhaps would then, you know, go on to grow and take space with us and, um, you know, elsewhere within, within the portfolio. So they're probably the top three that jumped to mind. Um, go, go, going back to your, your 132 million pound deal, a deal is a deal generally in sales, <laughs> but what was the big difference you found in a property deal that went from millions to hundreds of millions is there a big change to the meetings, the setup? Yeah, it was really, I mean, it was really very, um, it was quite an interesting process in terms of um, the level of involvement that we had to pull together, you know, what was the asset about, trying to explain the proposition, um, you know, the number of people, the, the interest that was coming not only from the local, it was less even the local market, but from London and, you know, 
um, investors from, from, from overseas and just the sheer volume of um, viewings that we had to undertake, um, the due diligence and um, being involved in the legal process, um, just really being you know, part of it from start to finish. Um, it was just a really huge learning experience. And for me, if anything, it was just getting to meet some really phenomenal people, um, you know, coming from all parts of parts of the country. Um, it was just, yeah, it was just a really, really interesting project to be involved with. Lovely. So now look, you're, you're CEO of Bruntwood Works. Mm -hmm. So you, you've worked hard, you've made your name. How do you find you get the best results from leading your team, the people that are bought into you, how do you like to work and communicate and get the best results from them? So um, I, I'm a really people-focused um, person. I love to be around my team. I'm, um, that's why you know, I really do believe in the future of the office because the biggest thing that I've missed um, when we were working from home is, is, is those chance conversations, though, the ability to interact with people, to see the team, to get in a room and problem solve. Um, because I recognize you can do a lot from home, no one's saying that you can't, but almost you know, coming together and, and creating that culture is, is, is what I love. Um, I, I'm energized by my team and um, I, love, I love the fact that you know, they, they challenge me I like it to be a two-way relationship whereby I can be challenged and they, you know, they, they think differently and I encourage them to think differently. And um, I think a lot of that comes from recognizing that you do need that kind of very diverse team. You know, you want different mindsets around that table. You want different ideas because that's when, that's when the really interesting stuff happens. When you have the same people thinking the same way, you don't get as much really exciting and interesting content and I think that to me is, is is what I love about the team is that it's quite an interesting and um diverse team in terms of age you know background makeup you know you name it and it's a beautiful thing about perspective and individuality isn't it Lisa everybody is uniquely different and has different views and thoughts about things so look you said about challenges so of course the ultimate challenge uh, the elephant in the room as such is COVID and yeah. obviously works but I was just with Andy Street, uh, our West Midlands Mayor, the yeah. other evening and we were talking about what we're doing about trying to get people back into the office because that's the key thing now and they're mm -hmm. talking about it on the news etc. How do we get people back into the cities when they've been doing well um, and working and set up to work from home? Even on top of that, I've got a friend who's done much better since working from home. He works three hours less a day, but he's achieved a lot more because he's been undisturbed in the office. He's got a lot more done. Uh, so how have you found that challenge and what are you doing to drive people to come back into the office? And also, I guess with that as well, you know, what measures as a, as a company looking after the bigger picture have you had to put in place to make people feel safe and secure to come back into work? Okay, so there's, there's a lot in that, so I'll break it down. I'll start with what we did to make people feel safe and secure. So um, we, we had a huge team and a huge project to look at, okay, we recognize government guidelines where you know people don't go to work unless it's necessary but what we wanted to do was make sure that um a large number of our customers still did still need to use their spaces because you know we have a really diverse mix of customers so we wanted to keep 
our, you know, we, we kept our buildings in essence open throughout, you know, th throughout COVID, but we were very thoughtful about what we needed to do to make them safe and secure. So we went through, um, you know, a huge amount of work to think about how we set up the offices. Um, every single building had an individual risk assessment. Um, but what we didn't want to do is make it feel uncomfortable for people. So how do you find that balance between giving people the, um, the comfort that it's safe and thought through, but not feel so, you know, it doesn't feel like a nice place to work. So we had an awful lot of time working. We have an in-house design team around, you know, keeping that sort of social distance, but, you know, doing it with greenery to make the office feel nice and separate it out. And, you know, the signage being there, but being subtle, you know, introducing hand sanitizers, you know, supporting people through how they actually get to the office. One of the biggest challenges isn't people necessarily how they feel when they're in the office, but it's almost how do they get to the office? So looking at initiatives around um, cycle to work schemes, offering you know the teams loans if they if they so wish to come back in, um, thinking around um, even in the short term, albeit you know it's not something we really want to actively encourage because we are very much thoughtful around the the green credentials of encouraging people you know back into the city through car, but we have offered you know people the ability to to you know to utilize spaces that we have um, you know at, at no cost to them. But one of the one of the exciting things about our business model is that we've always had a lot of different offices. So our offices are not necessarily just in the city centre. So if I talk about Manchester, because we have a greater number of offices, we have offices in Old Trafford, we have offices in in um, Knutsford, we have offices in um, Wilders, but we have we have offices across um, the region. So what we've allowed people to do is work from different offices, but recognise that what we need to do is make sure we know who's going in and have, have their details and that it feels safe for them. So for me, the first thing was giving people the comfort around feeling comfortable to go back to the office, recognizing that everybody is different and different people have different concerns and, and understanding and speaking to people. What, what are those concerns? What are the things that are holding you back? Um, and working really closely with our people team. Um, but equally, working really closely with the city. Um, so I sit on City Co. Um, and actually, it's been a combined effort um, in Manchester, and I know it has been in Birmingham, working really closely with, you know, the councils and local, you know, the local authorities around working together to get people back into their towns and back into their cities to support, you know, retail hospitality. Because if people don't come back in, it impacts on other industries because they're also interconnected. And so if people aren't coming back into the offices, they're not spending in the local shops and therefore, you know, we, we have an issue. So we've got to come at this as an industry together, but recognize there's a really fine balance around people feeling safe. Yeah, it's really interesting that because obviously with a lot of people not coming back into the city yet, bars and restaurants in particular have, have really still taken a hit. You think of somewhere in Birmingham, like Colmore area, mm -hmm. many of the businesses there are built on the back the hospitality businesses are built on the back of what's going on so yeah. you know you know it's great so how are you communicating that message to people how are you getting that out there so what, what we've done is um for everything you're building we had an individual um kind of a, a plan to show people this is what we're doing for each build and this is your point of contact um to give people comfort around them passing on the message to their their um their office, you know, people that work in the work in the team. 
we have um, communicated out to our customers around, you know, the offers we have around car parking, you know, cycling to work, what does it look like? And um, we've worked quite closely with CityCo around supporting messages, around supporting retail. We have a million square foot in retail as well. So um, our retail customers are asking us for help as well, because if people aren't in the offices above, they're struggling as well. So it's trying to really be joined up. Um, so we've been, you know, working, you know, with the local um, the local authorities around campaigns, working with our customers around campaigns, but equally just constantly reviewing it. You know, what's stopping people? You know, is it because in some cases they're uncomfortable, they're anxious? Is it because the kids aren't back at school yet? What is that? But equally, what we don't want to do is just get people to come back into work for the sake of it. It's about rethinking what is the office there for? And actually, um, if people can get more done at home for certain tasks, that's absolutely fine. Um, but equally, there are certain things that you want people to come together, but in a safe way. Um, and a lot, of, a lot of the thinking that is going on at the moment around what the office is used for is an acceleration of the discussions that we've been having for some time, but recognizing at the moment they're a little bit difficult to put into place because there is that element of concern around safety and COVID and how long is this going to go on for? So um, I think it's just recognizing that we're in we're in a very interesting period of transition at the moment. Yeah, I think the interesting thing there is obviously about communication with all of all of those partners and fellow businesses. And it is about everybody coming together and communicating and sharing that message to get people out to get the economy moving further. So the future, moving forward, you, you mentioned um, some pioneering in some schemes and things, Kira. Yeah. Um, how is that going to move us forward for you? I mean, I think what I was basically saying earlier is um, our view is that there is absolutely a requirement about what's needed from the office, but maybe not the need of an office. Um, so this is where it all plays into me around the design and what we might use them for and how do we design our spaces in, in need of what we think the office will be utilised for going forward. So we work quite closely with our design team and our customers. And what we found is that um, a lot of businesses are just rethinking about what they, you know, what are they using the office for? And fundamentally, um, a lot of the information we're getting back is that it's, again, recognizing where we're at in the cycle around COVID, but it's mainly for collaboration, spaces for people to meet and connect, um, you know, going through work, going through your emails, you know, doing that report. We know that that can be done at home. We recognize that. So um, almost um, having the, the optionality for people to potentially use spaces in a different way. So one of the initiatives we're looking at the moment is what we're calling our hub and spoke model. So sometimes people will need to come to the city for different things. But again, they may take smaller spaces with us in some of our more regional offices because people might cycle to those offices. Yeah. Um, but occasionally they may need to come into the city centre for, you know, you know, a different type of a meeting or in order to bring, you know, the teams together. Um, we believe fundamentally, if we can just fast forward um, past COVID, that people in the main are quite social animals. Um, and therefore do want to come together and human connection is such a key part um, of you know of, of, of what we of what we are and therefore as such I don't think it can be underestimated so I think the office will change um, retail will change and it was changing anyway and this has accelerated it but actually what we need to do now is think a little bit more strategically about that and 
you know, position the, the new offices and retail and think about those with the fact that people will come back to the office with a fresh set of eyes if they come back and they may come back, you know, for a shorter period of time. So one of the conversations, you know, we're having as a board at the moment is recognizing that perhaps, um, and this isn't just coming through from, you know, here's that we've done a lot of surveys. We speak to a lot of our partners, like the likes of Gensler perhaps. And, you know, there's, there's a fundamental, um, belief that a lot of people are missing you know what they get from the office their colleagues the social side of things yeah. that's just got to be thought through um, but what we are doing is looking at um our buildings thinking about um how do we give people the comfort around the spaces that they're in we're installing technology so people People can understand you know you know the co2 and um, you know what, what is the co2 reading of the offices you know what's the healthy office of the of the future look like so we've got a lot of well accredited buildings that are in design um, technology that will help support human interaction but never replace it um, but it, it's just accelerating a lot of things that we've been currently looking at um, as part of some of the new the new designs that we're, that we're bringing forward I agree and I think I think it's exciting when you look at the office moving forward I think you're right you've got to have that space for people to share ideas have it as a creative area and that interaction but I I agree I think it will definitely be changing with how people interact and how often they interact with the office which is why in my eyes I actually like what you do as a company because being able to create that brand new space that's exciting to go into it makes it quite a joy to go in and share those moments with people where you can get stuck into a project and then go off and do what you you need to do uh, i think and i think go on what I, was gonna say, I think for us as well what we've tried to do is not make an office just an office so in the building i'm currently in at the moment we have a an operator going in that will um they you know it's open to the public but you know in essence it, it changes from daytime to nighttime so people can come in go downstairs, you know, use spaces for different things. We have gyms within our buildings. We have, um, you know, people can do a lot within their space, within their working day. And um, we have yoga studios, you know, we're installing sleep pods. We're looking at, you know, different ways to, to allow people to come in and for the office to actually be an experience and not necessarily just come in, get into a lift, go up to your floor, but actually, it's just going to be a different experience and we just need to move a little bit faster on some of those um and people will take less space likely but they might just take it um they might they might they might just think about it. they would like probably a better space but, but maybe perhaps take less space but for me one thing i would end on is that the office for us in particular is a leveler for a lot of people we have a lot of young people in our teams who've really struggled to work from home who don't have nice spaces to work from yeah. who don't have the ability to see people and actually you know it is where they come and they find social connection or actually just a place to work where it's actually a nice place for them to work so i think there are a couple of other things that people just need to bear in mind around the office as well is that it's not some some people don't have lovely spaces to work from as well and it's just for us that's been quite a eye-opening um piece of insight that we've got from some of our team members i'm really glad you just mentioned that actually because it's a really important message for anybody who runs a company because quite a few people i've spoke to that, that run companies have said yeah yeah it's great they all love working from home and then i was having a conversation with andy street again and we were like, well, hang on, if you're a CEO or you're a key manager in a company, you might have somewhere nice and a garden and good internet. But if you're not on that level, you, 
won't have that nice space. Your apartment might be small. You might live with a family with noisy kids. There's all sorts of things that will be going against you. So actually it is good. Or you might have a partner that you just want to escape from. So it is good to be able to get into the workplace, to be able to focus and concentrate. And I think people have to remember the importance, the value that that people contact and that space has as well for people. Yeah. Right, right, okay. Amazing, amazing. I'm sure we're going to have some questions. I can see lots of uh, interesting faces with questions on their lips already looking around the screen. Uh, so uh, who's got some questions for Kira? Put your hand up in digitally or physically. <laughs> okay, Clive, we'll go over to Clive first, please, Clive. And then we have Chris um, and Bob. Uh, Kira, you mentioned about your customers and their sort of um, potential changing needs and requirements. I wondered if you, it might be too early yet, but um, in terms of the sort of long-term occupation of space, you're clearly in it for the long-term. I just wondered how your customers are feeling. Are you getting any feedback as to whether they're looking at maybe saying, well, we don't need this amount of space. So we're looking at, you know, can, can we have break clauses? Can we can we do deals to sort of you know take less space? I just wondered if, in terms of a sort of market sentiment, to the extent that you can at this stage, share share whether there's any thoughts on that. Yeah, actually, we throughout throughout this because we've had so many conversations with with all of our customers about um, their business, how you know how are they managing in terms of you know just the ability to pay rent. We've we've had some really good conversations about that, and actually. Um, what, we, what we've actually launched recently is a, an offer share scheme because we, we recognize um, that um, some customers will wish to use the office a little bit less. So they might want to use it for two and a half days a week um, with an ability to potentially share with somebody else for the other two and a half days a week to support their, um, their ability to potentially think about their needs financially. So we have tried to get a little bit ahead of the game and recognize that some businesses will be will be hit quite hard from a financial perspective. Um, obviously, you know, that, that needs considering in terms of safety and cleaning and all of those things. That all has all been considered and thought through. But um, we, you know, office share is something we, you know, we, we, we have considered. We looked at it the last time throughout the recession, but we didn't launch it in such a formal way. But because we're in it for the long term, we need to work with with customers because they may need less space initially and then they may grow again because ultimately businesses will suffer on the back of this there is no doubt about that so we've got to be flexible and um, the other the other thing we have picked up is that some companies definitely want to go with this what we're calling core and flex model have a slightly smaller operation in the city center but take some other regional hubs with us we've seen that come through and then equally, we've had a lot of customers who have absolutely committed to the city centre and have moved forward and renewed. Well, where we've seen a slowdown has been maybe the new business. With our existing customers, we've had a lot of traction. And I think because they've worked with us for a long time, they, they, they have, and we have continued to do a lot of renewal um, deals because I guess customers have that flexibility built in. Um, so what we've got to keep doing is evolving our proposition as we continue to work with customers and understand their needs and requirements and have a spectrum of products that work for different customers and different different sectors because equally there's still a lot of customers that are very much committed to the city and are and, and are moving forward in, in that direction so does that answer the question 
Yes, it does. Thank you. Yeah, that was very clear and, and actually very, um, I think that's, that's typical of my, my understanding and experience of, of Brentwood as a, as a business. I think, yeah, I think you're, um, you're very attuned to your customers and occupiers, I think, which I think is, you know, is all to your credit. Thanks, Clive. Uh, Chris? Hello, Chris, did you have a question? Oh, uh, me? Uh, yeah. Um, so, yeah, do, do you think that this will fast track more people sort of hot desking then and not having, um, so they might work in, in various different spaces? So, I mean, what, what I think is um, we haven't seen a slowdown. People, people want flexibility. Um, there's no doubt about that. Um, Hot skin, I think, will change a little bit from the basis of the moment. People are a little bit uncomfortable about sharing desks for obvious reasons. Um, so, flexibility is here to stay. Hot skin for me, it, it's going to be real. I think it, we need to relook at that in the context of people aren't necessarily going to want to be sharing um, spaces and desks until they're very comfortable about post-COVID really, but in terms of flexibility, it's here to stay. And actually it's a good thing because I really believe um, from a perspective of if you've got a good relationship with a customer, they they should always have the flexibility to want to leave, the flexibility to leave if they so wish, but not want to because the customer service should be so good that you should be able to continue to provide them what they need. Um, I think hot desk in was a bit of a trend word for some, you know, for a period of time, um, you know, service space, is in essence flexible, but people may have their individual offices just for the period, you know, for the period of time where they want to be really clear around the risk around COVID. So I think, um, I think flexibility is absolutely here to stay, and that's a good thing. Excellent. Okay, and I know he's got to disappear. I don't know if you want to get your question in, Rob. Need to turn your microphone on. Can you, Rob? Yeah. <laughs> oh, you turned yourself. <laughs> there you are. <laughs> my curse has disappeared on the screen. Thank you. Hi, Rob. Yeah. Uh, you, you had a question, did you, Rob? I did. Sorry. Yes. Well, it was it was more of an observation. So, thank you, Kara. Really interesting discussion. I think what strikes us about Bruntwood, our impression as people and as a business about Bruntwood is, and you used the word uh, yourself as well, was the idea of values. So. Uh, so, you know, certainly the values of a business and creating you know, your business model reflects your values and you look, you're looking for uh, clients and people who share those values. I think also you, you've, you've touched very strongly on the, the idea that the, the office was evolving anyway, the dynamic of um, offices. And in fact, Chris's last question, the idea of hot desk, I mean, I think you and I would both sort of smile, smile uh, uh, at that really, because it's such an oft used phrase, but, but actually in the industry, really quite a redundant concept in many respects so it's about creating agile workspaces and um, uh, we would love to have a, a further conversation obviously so I just want to thank you all for thanks Chiara uh, in particular for obviously your, your thoughts today and um, thanks everybody for the questions so far and hopefully catch up with you all in person before too long so um, I'm gonna have to go now but thank you once again cheers cheers thanks Rob thank you does anybody else have a, a question for Kira? Yes, okay, down to Matt. Thanks, Matt. Hi, Kiara. Really, really good insight. Thank you. Um, one question I had was, we've obviously seen a, a reduction in carbon dioxide emissions mm -hmm. through the pandemic, which has been great. 
um, for the world because it's allowed us to heal somewhat. But what are the, what are the green initiatives that Bruntwood are looking at um, implementing or have implemented? And how is that part of your philosophy moving forward? Sure. So um, I, I don't know if you know, Matt, but we we were, um, Bruntwood Grove were one of the first property, in fact, we were the first property company to sign the net zero carbon pledge. So we have um, a huge number of initiatives that we're working on at the moment, um, right down from a very operational level to basically building our, fir our first um, net zero carbon building at Disbury Technology Park. But for us, um, we're working on huge amounts of um, opportunities um, to, to really do that. We're working with a lot of partners um, around what does that mean and how do we take it even further? So, you know, we, ha we have um, a, you know, a, a team completely, you know, bespoke and there to do this. And for us, it's not just about what we're building, but it's around um, how do we get our customers engaged in it as well. So when we're looking at um, our model for Disby Technology Park in, um, in Manchester, what we are looking at equally is the operational model that follows that in almost how do we get our customers to buy in to doing the right thing because actually there's a benefit for them to do that. So um, it's, a, it's in concept stage at the moment. Um, our director of development, um, Ashley McNulty, is leading on that piece of work. Um, but we've tried a lot of things, you know, we, we're looking at um, even in our buildings in 111 Piccadilly, we're putting um, rather than um, standard sort of HVAC systems, we're looking at sort of water powered based systems, you know, um, off the grid um, power, reverse, you know, reverse fending, lot, lots and lots of initiatives. Um, so because, it's, you know, it is it's a huge it's a huge part of, you know, what we we what we need to do because we take it pretty seriously. Um, so it's sort of incorporated into a lot of stuff at a micro level, but equally at a macro level. Um, but we're on a journey and, you know, like everybody, I think we're learning as we go. And for us, it's consistently trying to work with partners who can support us and educate us and drive us and, and, and get us to think outside the box. And I know you do a lot of work in that space. So, um, you know, I've spoken to a few of, you know, team members in, in the past around what you know, some of the pioneering things that you guys are doing. Um, so, yeah. Lot, lots of things, um, at, as I say, at a micro and a macro level. So, yeah, cool, great to hear. And I think it was a perfect match there. You'll have to talk at, at some yeah. point. You know what? I was really impressed with your answer there, Kira, because you knew what you were talking about. Not saying that you you wouldn't have, but you were you were really on point with what you know the subject content. So it, it just goes to show that you really are in the midst of it. I mean, Phil, it's absolutely not my area of expertise, but it's something that as a business, we, you know, we take serious, which is why we have a team that are really committed to doing it. And, you know, as I said before and earlier, um, it's a, for us, it's about partnerships. We work really closely with architects who know more about this. It's just constantly us trying to work and upscale and, you know, really think about this. Um, and we can always, we can always be doing more. And, um, it's important that we do because it's a really serious it's a really serious issue that we have to tackle and given you know the property industry is you know <laughs> we we do emit a lot of carbon we have we really have to think about it so I oh, yeah, yeah. your passion for knowledge and understanding there came across a lot I liked it does anybody else have a question for Kira that they'd like to ask dun, 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 dun. <laughs> sure. No, is there anything you'd like to ask, Kira, before we uh, wish everybody a, a, a fair good afternoon? 
No, I um, I hope I didn't. I, it's one of those things. I hope I wasn't talking at people for too long. I was just trying to really, I guess, answer the questions. But I'm always really, um, it's always really great to meet, you know, to, to, to meet new people, albeit virtually. I would have loved to have done this in person. Um, and hopefully we can do at some point um, again. Because um, I always think it's great. Office spaces. <laughs> yeah. Right, okay, well look, I'll take this opportunity firstly to thank everybody for being here, but surely we can uh, give a, a round of applause for the lovely Kira Keeling, CEO of Bruntwood Works at Bruntwood. Uh, great, lovely, I, I, I like your passion, passion, I like your knowledge, and it's been great. To, I've learned something today, which is always good. Thank you to Downtown in Business uh, and the lovely Abby for, for hosting again and thank you to each and every one of you for getting involved with the questions as well thanks Chris Matt uh, Clive and uh, it was it oh Rob he's gone hasn't he <laughs> thank you everybody it was really nice to meet everyone thanks uh, absolutely thanks a lot yeah thank, thanks, thanks so much indeed for